Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies podcast. It was a week that got off to a pretty good start and not a very good finish, but I'm going to kick it to Michael for a recap of the week. Yeah, the Hawks started off with a surprise of, you know, they, they, they headed up to Boston, taking on one of the best teams in the league, and they came away with a victory. Uh, it was not an easy victory, to say the least. They They were able to jump out to a 2-0 lead in the first. Uh, Ryan Carpenter, who's been a you know a nice fourth-line player for the, the Hawks all season, uh, finally got rewarded on the, on the goal sheet. Uh, he scored a shorthanded goal um, early in the first period. Or, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I think it was later in the first period. But um, after that, Dylan Strom back in the lineup, playing pretty well. He scored his sixth of the year. That one was a power play goal, so the special teams were, you know, really coming through for the Hawks in that first period. And they were they, they played pretty well through the second and then were able to get a real quick goal in the third uh, by Alex Debrinkit, who finally broke through, broke out of his slump. He had gone 12 games without a goal, but he also was managed to get his sixth goal. Strom assisted on that. Uh, Calvin DeHaan got an assist on that, and he was playing pretty well in the game. But then from that point on, that, that early third-period goal, the, the Bruins finally kind of woke up, and they stormed back. Uh, old friend Joakim Nordstrom scored uh, not too long after Debrinkit, and then... Uh, just a uh, you know a tough. Uh, the that second goal uh, for the Bruins was pretty tough. It was a short-handed goal for them. Blackhawks had an opportunity to put the game away at that point well, on the yeah, power play. I would add to it. I want to add to um, Gustafson. You know, if you're gonna do a a video to show the fundamentals of playing defense, do not show Gustafson on that second goal because, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, not pretty, um, but, you know, it does happen on occasion. But, yeah, it was just it was poor timing on it. And then Tory Krug was able to score uh, with a couple of minutes left to tie the game up, send it to overtime. But from there, Jonathan Taves, uh, I think it was inside the first minute of overtime, scored on a nice backhand shot. You know, so the Blackhawks were able to go on the road against the top team in the league and come away with two points. You don't even care that it ended up being a, an overtime game. Bruins are in the other conference that their, you know, their loser point doesn't matter to the Hawks at all. So, you know, getting two points out of a game like that was really huge for the Blackhawks. I mean, we had talked about it last week. They were coming off of a horrible week. Um, you know, just just really down after the two blowouts in Colorado and then St. Louis, and so to bounce back with a, with an effort like that was was really really great and started them off on a really high note, you know, for this week. And the next day they they go into New Jersey against a far far inferior team, a team that's really struggling, uh, not. Not getting good goaltending, but 
they did in this game. Uh, the the Devils uh, goalie. Uh, I'm trying. I'm blanking on his name. I think Black Blackwood or something. Blackwood. Like that. It's, yeah, it was. Yeah, Blackwood yeah. I'm not. Name, yeah. I'm not real familiar with him. Um, I haven't exactly made it a priority to watch much of the Devils this year, but um, he had a pretty strong game. I felt, and it was a pretty even game. I'd say between the two teams. But once again, the Blackhawks were able to come out ahead. Alex Dabrinkit scored for the second consecutive game, this time on a power play, which, you know, really great to see. Once again, assisted by Dylan Strom. Patrick Kane also got an assist on it. And then, you know, it ended up going to a shootout. It was just a one-to-one game. And, you know, the the Blackhawks continued to get solid goaltending. And then in the, the shootout, Taves scored... They, they traded traded goals through the first round, traded goals through the second round as Patrick Kane scored. Uh, and then it was, you know, a bunch of saves. And then finally, the rookie, Kirby Doc, comes through huge in a, in, a, in, in a showdown between Kirby Doc and Jack Hughes in the game. And then in the, the final round of the shootout, Kirby Doc scores. Jack Hughes gets stopped uh, by Corey Crawford. and So I think we can argue that the Blackhawks did indeed win the draft. Yes, yes. It's been decided. Curry Doc, far superior. For now and forever. So, yeah. No, just a, a really, you know, just big points for the Blackhawks. You know, again, it's an Eastern Conference team. You don't care about them getting a loser point at all. Makes no difference. Hawks came away with four out of four points in those, you know, on a tough East Coast road swing. And, you know, they're riding high. You know, they're, they're winning games without Duncan Keith. They're winning games without Andrew Shaw. Everything looks rosy. And then they come back home, and Arizona comes to town. You know, a good, solid Western Conference team. Not a great offensive team, but a pretty good defensive team, you know, with Arizona. And, you know, the, the first period... Uh, was going real well, I thought, for the the mm-hmm. Hawks. Uh, you know, they 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 got up three to one, but you know, even beyond just the the score sheet, uh, the Hawks, you know, I thought uh, controlled a lot of the play in the first period. And Jonathan Taves scored off of a nice play by Calvin DeHaan. Uh, he, he he was playing really well on both ends of the ice. I mean, we're 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 pretty used to seeing him play, you know, solid defense, but he's been starting to, sh- he was starting to show up a little bit more in the offensive zone as his, as his minutes increased with Duncan Keith out and really starting to kind of shoulder the load, um, of being the Hawks top defenseman, basically, you know, that's been skating or that's been, uh, lacing up the skates for him of late. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice to see him get rewarded on that first goal. And then Alex Dabrinkit scores his third goal in three games on a power play. So, you know, it's nice to see the Blackhawks were starting to get some power play goals, even though they had given up the one shorthanded. But, you know, just a real solid effort in the first period. The The Coyotes did cut the lead in half 2-1, to one, but then Dominic Kubelik got his seventh goal. Uh, he's been a guy that, you know, they – they promoted him up to the top line 
replaced Alex Nylander, who's really been struggling for quite some time. So he's been playing with Taves and, and Saad. And Saad continues to play really well, generating chances probably at a higher rate than anybody on the team, though he struggled to finish them at a very high rate. And Jonathan Taves has, has played slightly better, at least on the offensive end. I, I'm still seeing some struggles from him defensively that are concerning to me, but at least he's picked up the scoring pace a little bit. And so, yeah, that, that top line I thought was playing pretty well in the game. And so the Hawks exit the first period with a 3-1 lead, but they just weren't able to uh, hold that lead. Uh, the, the Coyotes came back and played pretty well, but it was the, it was the, the special teams and a Ill, ill-timed penalty, I'd say, by uh, rookie uh, Dennis Gilbert. He was trying to stick up for a teammate, which you kind of want to applaud a little bit, but he's skating across 100 feet of ice, basically, instigates a fight, uh, draws the, the instigator penalty, draws a game misconduct, and just really set his team back, um, you know, not just with the, with the uh, you know, the, the power play, or the, the, well, the, uh, the penalty kill, I should say. You know, the, you're, you're trying to nurse a one-goal lead, take a stupid two-minute penalty, and then on top of that get, you know, the 10-minute misconduct, and you're forcing your team to play with five defensemen when they're already down Duncan Keith. Well, that's what I was going to add here, too. This this thing where I've had a, you know, I don't know what your feelings are on this, but I've had a problem with this for a long time. This whole idea of that you fight and you get momentum for your team, which I just have never believed as much of a a thing that actually happens. I think more yeah. often than not, it hurts you than helps you. But, you know, you still have Pat and Eddie on the broadcast talking about, oh, it's so great that Gilbert's standing up for his teammates. But you're like, yeah, but you don't want to go in a, when you're up 3-1. Do you really want to go on a penalty kill? And obviously, in this game, it did not work out. Yeah, I, I don't believe that it really does much, if anything, for momentum. Occasionally it does hurt you, especially in an instance like this where you're heaping penalties on top of the, you know, the fighting major. And yeah, I mean, you know, it probably does more for camaraderie and team building. But again, in this case, there's going to be guys in that locker room that I assume are questioning the the timing and you know it's like i can understand trying to stick up stick up for your teammate and get back at a guy for throwing a big hit on one of your star players but you don't skate across the ice to do it you 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 pick your spot later in the game or the next time you play the coyotes or whatever it was just it was not great in my opinion there's a lot of ways they could have done it better and you know, to me, just kind of a rookie mistake. And so the, the Coyotes are able to convert on that power play, tie it up 3-3. Three to three. I felt like they traded chances pretty well in the third period, although I'd say the Coyotes probably had the, the advantage a little bit. But unfortunately, you get through the third period and then the overtime, which was pretty exciting, but no goal scored, 
you got Robin Leonard in the game. It's just kind of an automatic loss <laughs> in a shootout at this point. So, you know, the Hawks do at least still come away with a point, but coming off of two big wins and, you know, playing in a game where you had a, an early 3-1 to one lead, you'd, you'd like to have come out with more than that in a, in a Western Conference matchup against a team that's fighting with you for a, you know, a wild card spot that you want. And so a bit of a letdown, but, you know, you can still, still kind of hold your head up high, I guess, as a team that you played three games in four nights. Two of them were against, one of them was against a great team. One of them was against a good team. And, you know, you took care of business against a bad team, came away with five out of six points things seem to be going pretty well. You kind of had washed the bad taste out of your mouth from the previous week where you got blown out in all the games. But then, ugh, this, the Jekyll and Hyde Blackhawks pop back up, and two nights later, last night, playing Vegas, a team that you'd hoped the Blackhawks had finally gotten the monkey off their back with the with their win earlier in the year against the the, the Knights, but... You know, they came out, played a pretty strong first period, I felt. I felt like it was, you know, a pretty even matchup, and the, the Hawks might even have had a slight advantage in the first period. But it ended up being nothing-nothing at that point, and then things just went off the rails. Most importantly, you had Calvin DeHaan suffer a, you know... Uh, a, a hard luck injury for this guy. Yet another shoulder injury, probably re-aggravating the same injury that he had surgery on in the offseason. The reason that the Hawks were able to get him at such a reasonable trade cost was, you know, this is a guy with chronic shoulder injuries, and unfortunately it has cropped back up here. Yeah, it didn't look like a, a a real bad hit or anything, but it was immediate the response from him. You could just tell he knew exactly what was happening. He skated directly off the ice and didn't even stop on the bench, just went directly to the rock, locker room. And that's usually a the sign that he's going to be out for a while. And the Blackhawks didn't sugarcoat it after the game. Everybody's pretty much been saying, yeah, it's serious, and we're probably not going to see him for a while. And so now yeah, you're... The rumor that was going around was separated shoulder because that's what he had last year, so people are assuming yeah, it's I, the same injury. Yeah, and I think he's got problems with his labrum and everything too, which as somebody else who has a similar problem, I, I, I can certainly sympathize with him. Um, it's it's a really tough situation. And unfortunately it, what it meant was that the Blackhawks were essentially playing with five defensemen for the second half of the game, just like they had and, been. In the previous Five's game, not very good. Yes, five not yeah. good defensemen. <laughs> right, and not just five not good defensemen, but the entire left side of the Blackhawks' defense: uh, Duncan Keith out, Calvin DeHaan out, Ole Mata out. Left side of your defense gone that you had been counting on heading into the year. You know, Mata's only out with uh, a bad case of the uh, the flu. So he's going to be back soon, but 
you know, in, in this case, you're playing with Eric Gustafson, who had moved over from the right to the left side. You know, okay, that's probably okay. But beyond that, you've, you're playing with Gilbert. And then DeHaan goes out. And you, you know, you didn't have Slater Cuckoo dressed in this game, obviously. And so, you know, that's what you're probably looking at for the left side for, you know, at least the next game or two probably until Mata comes back. And that's that's a scary proposition. I mean, they brought up Boquist. But, you know, he's kind of still in the same category as Gustafson at this point where he's going to contribute some offense, but it's an adventure in the defensive end. Dennis Gilbert delivers some big hits, but he also puts himself out of position sometimes trying to make those hits. Well, yeah, and, you know, you're going to give the the details of the game after this, but just if there's one detail, I'll give you a detail in this game, and if anyone hears it, they will know how this game went. There was a moment in the penalty kill when Adam Boquist and Gustafson were the two defensemen on the penalty kill. So exactly. that's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah, that's that's obviously the a bad sign for the current state of the Blackhawks defense. Those are the two guys that you absolutely don't want out on your penalty kill, but that's what they were left with. And so, yeah, that's that's the state that the Hawks were in. And the, the the Golden Knights took advantage, scored three goals in the second period, three or two more goals in the second or in the third, excuse me, two goals in the third. And the Blackhawks did manage to avoid the shutout with a very late goal on a power play by Dominic Kubalik in the in the final minute. But just yeah, very disheartening. Really seemed like the air let out of the Blackhawks bag as soon as Dehan went out they played with no energy no brains throughout the rest of the game they were just they were all over the place three on ones two on ones breakaways against it was the worst of the worst that we've seen from this team and yeah so you, you start off the week with you know feeling pretty good after the first three games it looks like they might be able to weather the storm a little bit until you know, you get Ole Mata back and Duncan Keith back, but now everything just is in a whole new light without Dehan and with another just lifeless, brain dead performance from the team. And you're kind of left in the same situation you we felt like at the end of last week, despite the fact that you know they did come out with five out of eight points. It, it wasn't a horrible week. I don't know that they really made up any ground, but they didn't lose any more ground. And but this, it's hard to imagine this team competing without Dehan and with Keith expected to still be out for quite some time. I just I don't see how they can weather that. So yeah, you know, I don't know if we can blame ourselves for this. You really can't. But we were talking on Twitter before the game yesterday about. You know, I, I, they had the stat that I I can't remember one of the beat writers put up. And I can't remember, I'm trying to think of which one it was. Maybe Mark Lazarus, but about the plus minus for all the different Blackhawks players. And, you know, when they're on ice on five on five. And the defenseman who had the best goal differential was Calvin DeHaan. Right. And we were talking about how much better he'd been playing and he was really playing well and... He was really yeah. stabilizing the Blackhawks' defense. So, he other than Keith, 
is the guy you cannot afford to lose, and now they've lost them both. And it it really makes a defense that was not with those was not exactly solid. Without those two, it's you just it's hard to feel good about them in any game. Yeah, I mean you're basically looking at their next game. Connor Murphy is going to be their best defenseman, and you know he's a guy that's you know probably at best a second pairing defenseman. You know he's been he's been fairly solid for the Hawks this year, but he's not a guy that you want carrying. You know the defensive the top defensive pairing for your team that's just that's not his role but that's where the hawks are at um yeah and the other thing that it's been a problem is of course as we talk about him more than once seabrook without the han has been very bad this year with the han he was not bad and now where yeah. does he go and he's probably their second best defenseman now like yeah, I, guess. I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of where we're at with the way that Gustafson has been. You know, there's been more bad than good from Gustafson this year, and right now he's not playing very well. So yeah, I mean, if you look at it, Murphy, Seabrook, Mata when he gets back, Gustafson, Boquist, Gilbert. Uh, that's just that. That's not a great group. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. a little bit of upside with Boquist, but beyond that, I, there's really no positive or you know nothing to look forward to with that group. I mean, Gustafson's going to get traded. Seabrook is going to be here for a long time, and it's just probably going to be a slow, steady decline from here on out Murphy is who he is at this point I mean he's 25 or 26 I, I think at this point and you know he's he stabilized himself as a you know a solid number four probably defenseman but I I don't see any upside with him developing beyond that Olimata you know the injuries have robbed him of whatever upside he once possessed he's 24 as well uh, kind of in the same age range, a little younger, I guess, but you know, it's, it's just unlikely we're going to ever see him fulfill the potential that he showed in his first few years in the league. He's just, you know, not as mobile a- a- anymore as he need is, needs to be to, to be anything more than a third pairing guy, probably. So there's just, and Dennis Gilbert is just, you know, a rugged stay-at-home number six defenseman at best. I, I don't see much upside there. So you're you're really just looking at what can we get out of Boquist this year to see what kind of you know trajectory he's going to be on heading into next year. Because it's unlikely that Ian Mitchell's going, his season's going to, his college season's going to end in time for him to sign and actually contribute anything this year. You know, at best you're looking at the last couple of games of the season, but mm-hmm. um, Denver's good enough where they they're at least going to be in contention for the the frozen four in which case he's not going to play at all for the blackhawks this year so it's yeah it's a really muddled situation back there without much in the way of hope right now i i, I don't think we'll see baudin or mitchell or you know any of the other young defensemen they have beyond boquist so yeah. Well, I guess I'll try to we'll 
do one upbeat thing because that was a little grim. I mean, it's just what the situation is. But Alex Dabrinkit seems like he's waking up, so that's something. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I I felt like Kirby Doc played pretty well too. You know, so there there are some positives with the young players. You know, even if the season is reaching the point where the playoffs are, you know, are a dim possibility at this point. You know, there's still stuff that we can watch and and look forward to with the team, but it's still a little disheartening. You you really had hoped that this team would be able to compete a little better with the moves that they had made in the offseason. I mean, we knew they weren't cup contenders, but I thought that they would be more solid or at least more consistent this season than they were last year. And, and if anything, they've they've been more inconsistent. And that's, that's disheartening. Yeah, it is. It, but, you know, I guess maybe they'll be able to outscore people again this year, but... They're going to really need to outscore people now with the state their defense is in at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, there have been times where the Hawks have kind of tried to play a more open style, and it's come back and bit them a few times where, you know, like the the, the Vegas game, they, they were just giving up odd man rushes left and right, and Crawford was just as upset as we've mm-hmm. seen Robin Leonard in a couple of these games. And, yeah, uh, the patience is running thin, I think, with the goaltenders. They've been standing on their head all season. And the team Yeah, just... I, I should add, too, that, like, Robin Leonard made some incredible saves in that Coyotes game. Yeah, they both really goaltenders. Use... They've been lights out. I, I mean, Crawford had some ups and downs the first two or three weeks. But since that point, he's been nearly as good as Leonard and Leonard's been nearly as good as anybody in the league so it it, that's the one part of the team where you've got no complaints no valid complaints about the way those two have been playing and now you're almost at the the point where are are we going to look at trading one or and or both (laughs) of these guys if you can can get somebody they might be the only assets that someone would really be interested in right now that they could move yeah i mean it's tough with crawford he's got the limited no trade clause but you know he's a guy that i can foresee him potentially wanting you know a chance somewhere to win another cup maybe but i just find it hard to believe that a team would give up much for him uh Mm -hmm. given the concussion concerns we've seen with him. I, you know, he's one shot away from never playing again. Or in, you know, for, from a team, uh, uh, another team's perspective, one shot away from not playing again for the rest of the season, whether it's career-ending mm-hmm. or not. You know, so I, I, I can't see them giving up, you know, anything big in value. And so Leonard would be the, you know, a bit more of a trade piece, but... The trade deadline's weird for goalies. It's mm-hmm. it's really hard to get good value for them. You, you never you never see big goalie yeah. trades. As I was, I think it was. Or if you do, big... it's in the off season. It's yeah, just yeah. it it's it seems at best you get a late first round draft pick, but even that seems pretty unusual uh, in season anymore. They just teams just don't don't tend to roll the dice much with 
making uh, goaltender trades. And so, but, and, you know, and then on top of that, Leonard's probably the guy that the Hawks would want to potentially look at as a, you know, a long-term answer given yeah, yeah. His, his age compared to Crawford. So is he the guy that they'd want to trade anyway? So it's just, it's a really tough situation. I mean, we're, you know, the one guy that, like, a guarantee to get moved is Gustafson, I think. Beyond that, you know, I think they need to look at trading Crawford. They need to look at trading Leonard. They need to look at trading Olimata. Uh, if Kajula and Shaw are able to bounce back from their concussions, I'd be willing to trade both of those guys. But it's uh, just not, it's not, I, not a situation. Yeah. You can't really blow up the team because no, other no, there's than too the many... four guys who are... Yeah, other the four guys who have the unmovable contracts, the rest of the team is pretty much young guys or guys on one-year deals. So, yeah, there's not yeah. much to blow I mean, up. Yeah, it's it, or you know the veterans that you do have that you would want to move are guys with concussion issues. I mean, Andrew Shaw is really beat up just beyond the concussions, and Crawford concussion. Um, uh, Kajula wasn't playing very well. And you add the concussion on top of that and the fact that he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. I don't know that he would have a ton of value depending on when he gets back. So it's just, you know, Brandon Saad, maybe. Yeah, but but you almost want to keep him. Yeah, I mean, he's honestly been probably their most consistent player through this season. Uh, And, yeah, he's probably not quite worth $6 million dollars per season with his struggles to actually score goals, but he, he makes a positive impression on the team in pretty much every game, and he's one of the few guys that's giving full effort on pretty much every shift. But at the same time, if the team is going to end up in the bottom five of the league anyway, what difference does it make if Brandon Sott's here or not? You know, yeah, that's You can true. get a good asset for him. I'd be open to it, but yeah, the the Hawks are just in a tough situation. They're kind of stuck in the middle. Well, I guess I will. From that happy note, we'll go to a little preview of the upcoming week. And it's a little bit slower week for the Blackhawks. Only three games. Although amazingly, there's another three games in four nights. I don't, I don't know who wrote, made the schedule for the NHL, but man. Yeah, I'm really curious if this is just sort of something that's happening with every team around the league that this that the schedule's just turned out compressed like this for everyone. But uh, it's it's rough. I, if that's the way it's shaking out for every team, I think the league as a whole needs to examine how they're handling the schedule. And if it's just the Blackhawks, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just it's rough rough luck for them but you know occasionally you're yeah. going to end up with crappy schedules yep so it happens so anyway uh speaking of the arizona coyotes the black Ox play them again this time in arizona uh tomorrow night thursday i guess when this uh podcast comes out it'll be today it's at uh eight o'clock central time and obviously we just saw the coyotes and they're a pretty good defensive team well, they did give up three three goals, but normally they're a very good defensive team. And I, I guess there's not much to add about that. They're just, the Blackhawks just saw them, so. 
Then they uh, day off, and Saturday they play the Blues in St. Louis at 7 p.m. And well, we saw how the last Blues game went. They pretty much dominated the Blackhawks the whole game, so maybe we'll get a little bit better effort this time, hopefully. And then, of course, as we were saying, three games in four nights the next night, Sunday, another 6 o'clock Central Time start at home against the Wild, who the Blackhawks have not played this year. Uh, the Wild started out very badly this year, but they've been on a tear of late. And I think they are above the Blackhawks in the standings now. Yeah, quite quite a bit ahead of them, actually. But I, I honestly don't know that the Wild are that good. I still expect them to fall back. Yep. Yeah, so, and that's the schedule for the week. So, as we were just talking about, the but the defense in the state it is, I don't know if you can count on any game, but hopefully they give a good effort at least. Yeah, I just, I don't know what else there is to add. I mean, until you're playing a little bit of a waiting game at this point you you don't we don't know from the outside when Duncan Keith's going to be back that would probably be the only thing that might be able to keep them afloat this season is if he's able to come back and play well relatively soon then you could still at least see that they could maybe you know patch up the defense enough to you know challenge for a wild card spot but at this point, I mean, they can't afford to have another bad week. So even if no, he's no. back, you know, at Christmas, that's probably too late. I mean, that's that's two weeks away. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just, just a tough. It's a tough spot. It's a, it's it's a bad situation right now, and I mean, they got five out of eight points, which is not horrible, like you were saying. But yeah, I mean, they're gonna have to surprise us and go on a bit of a run. So. I guess we'll see if they can do it. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think I'll just end it there and just, um, as always, yeah, I'm STH85 on Twitter and Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Yeah, and we'll just hopefully we get a better Hope week for the, the Blackhawks ahead. Yeah. yeah. That's all we can do. So, uh, thank you for listening, everyone.